All right. That's Wayne Shorter on tenor sax. And you're also hearing Herbie Hancock on piano, Reggie Workman on bass, and Joe Chambers on drums. And this is titled Footprints. It is from Shorter's 2009 album, Adam's Apple. This is Lead Stories. I'm Utrecht Lead, and it is Free Your Mind Friday. This is where you get to say whatever you need to say about the subject that you choose, and you make your point. Um, I want to just remind you, we've upped the ante a bit on Free Your Mind Fridays, it just, just to... Uh, discourage people from just yammering and and using good radio time not well. <laughs> you want to use the time to be productive and to really put to the test your opinions. And we've discussed before the difference between what you feel, what you're feeling, and an opinion. So we keep pushing ever higher, and that makes the program ever better. The number to call is 888-874-4888, 888-874-4888. And again, you are the author of your opinions today about whatever subject you think is worth looking at more closely or just to bring people's attention to something new. Um, this is an exchange, an information exchange. And once you're part of the exchange, you'll see how people are reacting to what you have to say. And you may very well start a chain of uh, opinions you never know. 888-874-4888, what are you freeing your mind of today? And, of course, tell us why. Okay. I want to, I don't see anybody yet. And uh, you know what it is. It's for your mind Friday. Be on the ball. Don't get too uh, slow here. Keep the pace. Keep the pace going. And so we move along and make the best use of the time that we have. Lots of issues, of course, that have cropped up over the week. But even before this week, there were many issues that we didn't get to. Perhaps you have in mind to present one of them. Uh, I don't know, but we'll see. And while I'm at it, I will remind you that next week we continue with our presentations uh, by listeners who have in mind to deliver lectures on particular topics. So uh, we have one, the next one, on the 18th. E from Edgewater, you're on the air. Good afternoon, Eutrice. Good afternoon, E. What's going on? Well, I just felt it was a good day to uh, say these things 
Uh, I'm speaking of a man who's dedicated his life to helping human beings. Now, that man is Gary Null. And I think we owe Gary Null a great deal for providing us with this forum that he has provided us with, where we can come to and get the truth about things and not have to settle for lies that we're getting from the major media. And, uh, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot for a person to provide for a whole humanity, the truth. So we owe him more than we can repay him. And I think at least we should give him the respect that if he puts this station out here for us to have, and he provides us with all these different shows besides Utrecht Leeds show, I think we owe him the respect to listen to those shows because he's not the type of person that just does things spur at a moment. He thinks about things and he wants us to get good information. So the shows that he's putting on have all different sides to them. And, And one show might contradict another, but that doesn't matter to him. As long as we're getting good information that's being provided by the hosts and the guests that come on these shows. And we, and we really owe it to him to listen to these shows instead of wasting our time with Channel 2, 4, and 7 and MSNBC and all that other stuff. And we also owe him for the fact that possibly Utrecht Lead wouldn't be here anymore if it wasn't for Gary No, helping her when she went to the hospital with stage 4 cancer and the Orthodox doctor told her to go home and plan her funeral because there's no hope. Gary No provided her with the hope. And I don't know the, the, the modality, the, 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 the treatment that was given, but whatever it was, she's still here, and I'm glad she's still here. And I'm glad Gary No helped her. And without him, we wouldn't have this place to come to to be safe and to know that we're getting the truth. And we won't have to waste our time with this nonsense that's going on. We can be here and we can be together. And, and we owe it all to Gary No. And I thank you, Gary No, from the bottom of my heart. And I thank you, Utrecht Lead, for letting me say this. All right. You're very welcome, E. And thank you for your testimonial today. Thank you. Gino from the Bronx, you're on the air at 888-874-4888. What are you freeing your mind up today, Gino? Good Friday to you, Sister Utrice. Thank you. Thank you, and to you too. Thank you. Just a quick reminder, I haven't, uh, first of all, when Eve started talking, I thought he was going to talk about Jesus Christ at first, to be honest, because being Good Friday, but okay, you know, we... uh, but uh, he's certainly quite up a bit up the mountain, Gary. I'll give him that in the perception of truth and his walking it. But uh, <clears throat> they're still the top. No, I don't know anybody's made it to the top down here. Uh, not in the last 2,000 years. But my, my main reason for calling, oh, and Ed from Queens, when he talked last Friday, he said something that I think sums up a lot of what I believe. He said, <clears throat> wisdom is the right use of knowledge. I've always thought, Knowledge alone is biting the apple, which is destroying the world. It's 
you know, without the wisdom, without the love factor, the compassion. Uh, you know, these Hannibal Lecters running around with their suits and business attire who have no qualms about the things we just heard about with the, you know, what goes on with the suffering in the world and the debts and all that because they're making uh, money off of all of it. So, but the, the, uh, the thing that I started to call on was your show from last Friday uh, mysteriously disappeared on the archives. And I found that a little interesting, given, uh, as you recall, I spoke <clears throat> a bit from my heart, something I've been holding in. I've tried to be tactful, but uh, I've, been, I've asked for them to put it on. I haven't seen it. So maybe you can make a uh, suggestion that last Friday's talk pack can be offered to those out here in this land to re-listen to it or who haven't listened to your show from Friday but listen on the archives out there in the USA land. So it is missing. I inquired. I asked for it to be put in. I've checked up until 20 minutes ago. It's not on. And uh, I just find it a little mysterious. And um, oh, It's not I, mysterious. It's, just... it's probably just an oversight. But uh, certainly I'll pass the word along. All right. Thank you, Trish. And everybody out there, wish you a good holiday, and uh, God bless. Thank you very much. Looking for your opinions about some issue or event or uh, thought that you want to bring to our attention because you have a particular point of view about it. Is that, is that you I'm talking about? that you have something in mind that you would like to present for our consideration, either because it reinforces a prevailing view or it differs markedly from a prevailing view. Whichever way, let's hear your opinion. You have the room, you have a whole hour here, given and devoted to just what you are thinking. It does not matter whether people agree or disagree. It matters only that you make a good case for wherever you stand on an issue. That's all. And we are training ourselves in the, the fine art of debate, public debate. Um, a lot of people don't know how to do that. And they think that a, a debate is a fight. It is not a fight. It is about being effective at communicating a particular point of view. And over the years, and I've been around for a while, um, you find that people don't quite know how to do that. As if, you know, we can read their minds. We can't read your mind. You have to articulate what you're thinking. And put it out there. See how people react to it. Ali from New York, you're on the air. Good afternoon, Mr. Feastley. How are you? Okay, good afternoon. Excellent, excellent. This is my first time calling. But good for you. Thank you. I, 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 I've been knowing you for years. I actually uh, met you at the Slave Theater, and I introduced my children to you when they were very young. I said, you have to meet Mr. Feastley. And the subject you were teaching, you said, uh, teaching us how to read a newspaper. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> oh yes, I remember that lecture. Yeah. 
you. Yeah, but listen, um, I, I, because I was talking. You, you need to talk directly into your phone because a lot of your sound is disappearing okay. into the. Yeah, I got no problem. Um, Very good. Is that better? Much better. Okay. Right. I'm sorry. Um, I um I was calling because um. You know, you and, and, and Altimatics used to have such a great exchange. And I was wondering, is he okay? Because I, I, I haven't heard him on your show um, since you've been on PRN, but I don't get a chance to listen all the time. So I was just wondering about that because, you know, the, the way that Altimatics, listen, him and, 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 and may God have mercy on his soul, um, um, we just passed uh, 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 Dick Gregory. Those two guys have such a way of breaking things down, like like you, like like nobody could, you know what I mean, you know. So I was wondering, could you, is if he's still available, is there a chance to get him on your show one time? Well, I've been whatever? trying. The thing is that Alton is, uh, at least for the times that I've tried to reach him, he's been really under the gun. Uh, dealing with a lot of uh, community issues all over the country. Uh, People have solicited his help in fighting court cases, and he's responded. So his time has been, at least his time being available to shows like mine or even for interviews Uh uh, is a little bit curtailed right now. Right. And uh, so I'm waiting for signals from him as to when he will be surfacing. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. I, I really appreciate you, Miss Lead, and um, I pray God. I was so glad that you were, <laughs> excuse my expression, to come back from the dead. You know, I mean, I was, I was <laughs> you know, I mean, I was praying for you every day to myself, and um, and I'm Thank I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of. Gary Null. I actually, I, you know, I, I went to one of his parties and stuff like that, but I've been dealing with Gary when he was down 79, 79th and Broadway. I've been, and um, I'm yes. still dealing with him, you know, and, um, and I get his products. I, I, um, I have, I think maybe something, hundred something of his DVDs and, you know, I used to buy $20 a pop and they found out that uh, Neil actually introduced me to him again. They told him what I was doing. So they don't even charge me for the DVDs any, any, anymore stuff like that because they know I make them up and give them out for free and stuff like that. So I really appreciate the, 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 all that you're doing, all that he and his organization are doing. And um, I pray for all of you for the best of health, strength, courage, and resources and continuance. And look forward to meeting you one day again, God willing. I love you. Thank you. And uh, back at you, too, in terms of the Thank work you. you're doing, which helps everybody. Thank you so much yeah. for that. Thank you. Ed from Queens, you're on the air. What are you freeing your mind of today? Yeah, good afternoon, Retreats. How are you doing? Okay, thanks. And you? Yeah. I'm on well, well, hanging by the phone, you know. <laughs> hanging hard, hanging <laughs> um, I heard you. I heard the show yesterday. I didn't get a chance to really sit down and listen because I was busy on my, on, on my uh, capitalist living. But uh, you raised a point. And I think it needs to be hammered home. We got to pay real close attention 
to this trial of Mr. Frank James because two things that disturb me about this whole situation is number one, the Adams administration's so, uh, response. Before before you the, go on, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Just a line or two, a word or two, because you just put the name out there, but people may not be aware of who you're talking about. Oh, the, the mayor of New York, the the, the new mayor of New York, uh, you know, the, 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 so, you know, the, the Adams, he's uh, the ex-police officer turned mayor, turned politician, turned whatever you want. I believe he and is. And James? Huh? Who's Frank James? Oh, Frank James. Oh, the, 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 person, the individual who did the shooting on the train? Allegedly. Alleged, excuse me. Alleged, the alleged shooter on the uh, train in Brooklyn. Or no, in Ocean, Ocean Park, I believe, yeah. I'm just saying we got to pay attention to this trial and how this is going. Number one, the way the Adams administration responded to this quote-unquote manhunt. I mean, I've never heard of a 30-hour manhunt where someone turns themselves in. You know what I'm saying? He, he, left his, he left his ID down there. I mean, this may have been a, a flawed and I don't recommend way to cry for help, but it obviously was a cry for help. I mean, not for nothing. He didn't kill anyone. And, I, uh, you I know, said I, that. But I agree with they, that. Yeah, the way they are treating this and the way they were patting themselves incessantly on the back for the quote-unquote great police work or great detective skills, I mean, it ain't hard to find somebody who wants to be found. So I, I don't see where they were making all these kudos and, and, and patting each other on the back and, 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 and polishing their apples for, for an effort that really wasn't put forward. There were, there were multiple murders in New York prior to this, and they still don't have a resolve of those cases. So, I mean, where, why are you patting yourself on the back for a man who obviously is mentally ill and turned himself in? Number one. Number two, they can't turn this don't, – I don't want him to turn this guy into a scapegoat. I mean, his, he's got two good defense lawyers. I haven't done the research on their backgrounds, but from what I saw on, their, on the press uh, conference they had yesterday, they really seem to be advocating for him. But uh, he's been, the, the defense – the prosecution is trying to paint a picture – which they do uh, because they want to win a case. That's basically that's their fundamental uh, reason for being. But, uh, you know, th- this guy should not be held out to dry. I don't even believe he should be charged with the terrorism uh, act that they're trying to charge him with. He's obviously a sick person. He obviously wanted to be caught because he didn't, he didn't go one, but one stop away from where he acted with the crime. And we can't let this mayor and this administration, especially New Yorkers, we can't let we can't let this uh, Eric Adams turn this into his his uh, his his hero waving flag waving garbage. To me, he's a black version of Giuliani, and I'm very disappointed. I didn't vote for him, and I'm very disappointed with, with his with his uh, administration's first 100 days. I mean, he he is not what New York needs at this time, and that goes back to first of all, I believe it was a big mistake to use ranked choice voting in the Democratic primary, because I believe that's how he got the nomination. And uh, he didn't really win. He just didn't lose, because he was running against someone who was less than him, which in, in the person is Curtis Lever. So, I mean, I just I don't want this guy to become his, his bulwark 
to improve his ratings as far as his mayoral his mayoral camp his mayoral team service through New York. I mean, I don't want him to use this poor guy as, as a as a whipping boy, which is what it looked like they're turning against. What should because the official the coverage of the official position has been very very. Um, it's been quite a lot, uh, and I likened it to the the Academy Awards. And it was obscene in that sense. Um, when the major issues were just completely dismissed, and anybody who came to the case or comes to the case. Um, with a, an open mind, you can see that there are major underlying issues here, apart from hammering the point that all we were interested in is whether he was is in, innocent or guilty of crimes. Um, we're not putting the system on trial, and we're not making queries that we should. But the media is just not touching it. Um, As far as I know, and not to pat myself on the back, but I raised a question. I raised the questions openly uh, that there should be some guarantee here of, of fair coverage. We're not going to get it. Not from what I see the media getting ready to do. It's a gang job. We're not getting fair coverage on any uh, aspect. We're not getting fair coverage on the war in Ukraine. Or, you know, we're not getting fair. The media is grossly propagandized and completely slanted. I mean, everyone wonders. I got in a major argument with someone yesterday. It's just like, the first of all, you're innocent until proven guilty. Second of all, you know, I mean, like I said, if, it, if he is guilty of the alleged crime, this was a poor way to cry out for help. But he cried out for help. He didn't kill anybody. He could, they're saying he diabolically planned this and he should be a terrorist because he, 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 he feared his fear and, 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 and terror of the people. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of things going on in New York. And, and not for nothing, he, he could have, he, if he really wanted to kill some people, he could have killed. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, that's my yes. opinion. If he really wanted to do it to the unborn people, he would have done it. And, he, and, he, and basically, the way the ineptness of the police department, the fact that the surveillance systems weren't working in the subway like they were supposed to, if he had been of a mind to do some real devilment, he could have got away with it. You know, but he didn't. And, and, and I don't think that Eric Adams or any or his police chief or, or any of these officials who were, like you said yourself, standing up there like this is some type of reward ceremony, patting each other on the back, should, should, should be able to use this guy to get out of the doldrums that, that this administration is, is laying on the city. He's bringing back Giuliani policy, broken windows. He, he changed stop and frisk to, to, uh, to special uniform officers in your neighborhood. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's a return to the bad old days. And I don't want his color to hide the fact that his policies are just the same as the white mayor that was here before. Thank you. Thanks, Ed, for your opinion today.
Let's see what the reaction is, if there is any. Ernie from New York, you're on the air. Yes, I wanted. Hi, I wanted to sec, second to Ed. Is it Ed from Brooklyn? Yes, from Queens. Uh, yeah, I want to. Yeah, from Queens. I want to second what he says about the case with this uh, subway situation. Um, I noticed also when I was looking at some of the information from the beginning that they described the suspect officially as being five foot five inches and 170 pounds. This guy doesn't fit that description at all. And I just and I agree with him too. If this was a, a manhunt, uh, this guy was around. He wasn't hiding. Uh, he actually had to call himself in. If he did not call himself in, what would have happened? They would have gone after him. The um, the other thing, the other point that he that he brought up, Ed, is that the attorneys, the attorney had a, a statement, very powerful to me. It was direct, and it sounded like they're behind him as far as his right. Uh, she stated a few things. She said, do not come to any conclusions. Um, uh, um, what Laura usually said, and she sounded like she definitely, they definitely want to uh, protect this guy's rights to be, a, uh, to be in, uh, in court or his case. Um, but that was only like 30 seconds, if anything, maybe even 15, 30 seconds of a news clip, followed by who knows hundreds and hundreds of minutes or of uh, him being portrayed portray as the suspect and, the, of course, as, as being the guilty one. Uh, it's not right. It's not right to do that. I mean, even if he was the one that did it, maybe he had some mental issues. Um, there is no... I, the first thing that, that I said is if somebody does something like that and he turns himself in, and he's not in the, he's not wasn't running, wasn't hiding, wasn't armed. Something is not right. Uh, but anyway, that that was my comment to follow up to Ed. Uh, thank you, Patrice. Thank you very much. Bye. I agree. I happen to agree. I said the same thing. I did a program uh, this past week on the fact that it was obscene, really. It was as if it were the, it might as well have been uh, filmed at the Apollo. Uh, these people were more in love with the showbiz aspect of it than as professionals who should have been sending to the city of New York and to all involved, actually, that it's a good thing that the suspect in this uh, shooting and this uh, holding people hostage, if you will, uh, it is over, that event is over, but now we must turn our attention to some issues that have not, not yet been raised, but need to be raised. But overall, the number one thing we want to do is to assure a fair trial. We want to do that. We want to encourage people to just, just sit back and you can look at the facts yourselves, but try not to, to go overboard with this. This is very, very, very difficult, a very difficult situation to handle. 
And what compounds the difficulty is that the city administration does not seem to have the professional help it absolutely needs. You have a mayor who seems to be doing his thing, a police commissioner who seems to be doing her thing, and it's all, of course, uh, hinged to their clear interest in running for office again. This whole thing, I, I talked about the obscenity of it, and it became a kind of uh, uh, a horrible joke. It wasn't funny. And the, the, the so-called suspect is entitled to better than that, even as a suspect. But everybody failed. Everybody failed him, and everybody failed the process and tainted the process from the very start. So how do they get back on an even keel is beyond me. They've done so much damage already uh, by issuing information that is, is fraudulent or inaccurate. And it's all about every, of, every single one of these elected officials coming to an assessment for themselves that, aha, this is a great opportunity to get my face in front of the public, and hopefully they will remember me when, of course, I declare my candidacy for re-election. Uh, it was obscene. It remains obscene, and I am I'm really floored by the fact that, you know, we talk about racial pride, too. These elected officials, the ones that I'm referring to, were both, are both African-Americans. And they, one of them is a former police captain. One of them is the current head of the police department. What do they think they're, they're, they're sending the messages that they're sending when they conduct themselves this way and just tear up the Constitution and just go at it in slaughtering this man's uh, chances for a fair trial. What could they possibly be thinking? How competent could they possibly be? It is outrageous and I was hoping that there would be a groundswell, especially from black and Latino uh, elected officials condemning it because they made it a, a kind of bizarre uh, vaudeville act. This is, this is very serious. And to trivialize it into thinking, uh, letting people think that this was, okay, and apparently they still don't know all of what they need to know uh, to really get this case in focus. 888-874-4888. If I don't see calls right, oh, I do see calls right away. I was just going to say, 
if I don't see calls right away, I was going to go take a break. But let's see who's coming in on the line. It is very important that you use the time well to get yourselves additional skills in expressing an opinion. And it doesn't matter whether people agree or disagree with you. I keep stressing that. It is important only that you get more adept at making your case in public. Daniel from New York, you're on the air. Hi, Utrecht. Hello. I, you know, I, 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 I came in kind of late, but I presume you're talking about Mr. James? Well, someone did, and we just uh, on the tail end of that. From what I heard you say, I think you were bringing up some very, very points that you will never hear in the main street media. You know what first struck me, Utrecht, when I heard about this whole thing was when Mr. James was, you know, quoted on his so-called uh, rantings on on social media. You know what really got me truthful? He's a 62-year-old man, and he says that to a great extent what, what led him to do what he did was the way he was treated by the mental health system in New York City. And if he's right about that, look, I'm not justifying what he did, but for a person he so full of rage... To get to that point, what a what a sad commentary. I'm wondering what you think. Well, I I made reference to my personal interaction with Colin Ferguson. I don't know if you remember who he is. I Colin Ferguson the was a Long Island Railroad killer because he was stabbed. He came to see me twice. And I could tell instantly, you don't have to be a, a, you know, a psychiatrist, psychologist, slash, you know, psychotherapist all in one. You could just, just pay attention to what people are saying to you. He was extremely polite. He was very contained and tense, you could tell. But he was very lucid. And you know, you could tell from his tenor and demeanor, he was dealing with serious problems, very serious problems. And he was angry at being dismissed. He was dismissed. He did not get from the system uh, a workable solution to where he was psychologically. He couldn't get an answer. He wasn't able to get pointers on what to do. But I wasn't afraid at all because he came to me with a spirit that said, I just need to talk to you. And I said, okay, let's talk. And the last straw for him was the, the way the school treated him. 
dismissed him and misgraded him. In other words, he, let's say, he felt he should have been a, an A or B student, and instead they made him a D student. And he had everything, he had the analysis in my head, he had everything right. He got it. He understood what was going on with him and this institution. But it was frustrating for him that nobody else in the entire school system that he approached was willing to listen to him and hear him and help him do something about it. He brought me his papers and the term papers, well-written. The, these were not the rantings of a crazy person, but it was clear that he was carrying a load, a tremendous load, and had nowhere, no place to put this rage. Although, supposedly, he was to have benefited from state services. But it didn't do anything. Colin Ferguson was a well-spoken man. and Very much so. I'm just curious, how long did you see him before the incident? Uh, that would be about a week. Really? Yes. Oh, my God, you trees... After you, did you immediately connect? In other words, when you heard yes. his, and what was, what was your first feeling? What was your first thought? I saw it. Everything he was raging about was perfectly legitimate. He was right. He had everything deconstructed. And he was correct on every point. And I told him, because he brought me his, uh, the term papers and so forth, at the time I myself was teaching in college, and I said, I, could, I, could, I can't find anything wrong here. I you can't know, find anything substandard or anything wrong. You know, Eutrice, um this, from my, my understanding is in, in Great Britain, if you had an incident like, let's say, Mr. James, um, the, the press there is very different in terms of what they can talk about pre-trial, because I heard some of your remarks regarding that. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, okay, we have so-called freedom of the press, okay, but when it's great, a, a judge can give all kinds of admonitions to a jury pool to not be swayed by public opinion, all this stuff. But come on. I mean, it, it, it's, um, it gets laughable sometimes. He's, he, he's being cut to shreds, and, he'll be can, and that's going to continue, unfortunately. Well, I'll go back to... Uh, my experience, and that is that when I met with him, I was alone. I was the only one in the office. I did not feel afraid. 
I was not concerned. He didn't strike me as somebody I should be afraid of. He was making a point. He argued his points very well. He brought in samples of his writings and and, uh, term papers. And I told him I can't find any reason that you would get these grades based on your writing. Did he did he bring up any racial issues to you? Yes. Do you recall what he what because he said? Because he said uh, he he was thinking that because he was from Guyana, uh, that some people resented the idea that he had what he called a good handle on things. He could make his case well, and his writing. His writing proved it. I didn't find anything wrong with it. And, Utrecht, do you remember, you know, he was his own lawyer. Yes. In court. Unbelievable. You can go on YouTube and see some of the videos of him in court. Very well-spoken man. Yes, he was very well-spoken and very gentlemanly. Um... We spent about two and a half, three hours talking. At no time did I feel uncomfortable or threatened in any way. And then we met again. Because he wanted to know how should he contest the grades he had been getting uh, based on what he had written and submitted uh, there, were, there was a yawning gap between the two. His writings certainly were far better than the grades he received. And I didn't know much more about him than just his writing and his rage. Were, were you, were you in, in terms of the incident with Colin Ferguson, were you, having just spoken to him, seen him, a week before, were you, astonished? in other words, given what he told you, etc., were you astonished in terms of what he did? Yes. Yes, because what he did was exceedingly violent. He gave no hint to me that he was violent and or, or wanted to be violent. We had a very nice conversation. I sat at my desk, and he was sitting on the other side of the desk, and we were facing each other as he talked to me. And wow. I was, as I, as I said, I, I was stunned when the, the coverage occurred, and we, I heard about this person shooting all these people on the train, and who did it turn out to be? Him. But he was absolutely no threat to me at all. Well, he, you know, that's why I was asking about race, only because of the fact, what did he do? He gets on the Long Island Railroad. I think he, he lived in Brooklyn, am I correct? And yeah, he, Yes, I think so. He gets on the LIRR, and I remember it was right around Mineola. I mean... <laughs> 
Let's be frank. That was near his university, incidentally. Oh, really? He went to school out yes. there? Yes. Interesting. Um, of course, the racial implications came in because he's on the Long Island Railroad. I, I, I don't know. I don't recall what the racial consistency was in the particular car that he was in. I believe it was all white. Yes, it was mostly uh, white people on the railroad as commuters. I mean, that's every day. Exactly. Wow. That, 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 that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But he clearly did not get the help he needed. He did not have the help he needed. I contend that the the grades that he received were just inappropriate. They were wrong. And I had no knowledge of the all of the surrounding issues. I was just there to have a conversation with him because he asked me to meet him. And I said, sure. Nobody right. else was in the office, just the two of us. You, can I ask you another question? Sure. It, 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 if a lot of people were listening to our conversation, I imagine a number of them would say something like this. They would say, uh, you know, let's say if we're talking about Mr. James or Colin Ferguson and, and probably many other people, they would say, get off of it, start, stop complaining. You know, this is the land of the free, the home of the brave, on and on and on. What, when, how, how can I say this? When are grievances, when are they, when are they justified? When are they not justified? They seem to be always justified when the complainant is white. Mm -hmm. They seem routinely to be unjustified when the complainant, complainant is a person of color. Right. There, there you go. That's the big analysis of it. Okay. There's okay. no reason that Frank James was left essentially to float in his misery and try the best way he could to fix himself. But what did I say on the, on the air here? You don't have to be a genius to know this man had been in the depths of despair. He was having major mental uh, issues that he needed competent help with and didn't get it. And then we and also had to look at the fact that he did not do nearly the kind of damage he was capable of doing at the time that he was acting out because one, it's not in his nature. Clearly it's not. And number two, he was looking to make the point, help me somebody, please. He was probably having a, a, a psych, psychiatric break from reality, and he was probably in great distress 
except no help was available to this man. Well, you know, you're, it's interesting when you say no help was available to this man, Eutrice, because uh, so much has been written about the state of mental health, uh, let's say more specifically psychiatry in this country. Um, it, is a, it is a disgrace. It is a mess. It's just unbelievable how we have not progressed. I mean, I've been around, you know, I was born in 1950. We haven't progressed at all in, in that, in that uh, you know, this thing about, you know, a lot of people say, ah, just he was off his meds as though meds, these, these harsh chemicals are the answer. That's how you help people. You, you well, make them like it's zombies. Complicated. It's complicated, but certainly the mayor, who was a cop and a police captain, should have a clue that what is amiss here is structural, and he ought to take a deep look at that. The police commissioner ought to know that what was going on here with Mr. James was very, very, uh, it was deep within him. And he was in grave danger. And because of that, the, the surrounding society was itself in grave danger because he was out of control. He tried, and it was clear he was trying to communicate, you don't leave your credit card or your photo ID to identify you if if you didn't want to get caught. You, you left, left them messages to say, please. He even called. He called himself in and said, here's where I am. I'm in the village, East Village, at such and such a street and such and such an avenue. I'll wait here. Exactly. And still, they still portrayed him as some kind of a maniac, which means that this police department is not equipped to do its job. It's not educated. It's not equipped. And the people who are in charge of things themselves have a long way to go to be useful as uh, guardians of the city. Thanks for calling, Daniel. Thank you so much. Jeremiah from New York, you're on the air. How's it going today, you trees? I'm hanging in. How about you? Uh, same deal. Pretty pretty good. I mean, all things considered. <laughs> um, all hanging in. Exactly. I just wanted to uh, emphasize, you know, I want to jump in the discussion that you're having and, you know, point out the fact that when you talk about mental health work, it's a very special kind of person that goes into that kind of work. It's certainly not something that you can just throw money at. It's not a job that most people are looking forward to doing. It's someone who has a calling to help troubled people in that matter. And a lot of those jobs are also very dangerous because you have a lot of people with mental health problems who are not particularly violent, but then unfortunately you have a lot of people with mental health problems 
who are quite violent and prone to homicidal ideation and flying into violent rages. You have rapists um, and people with all sorts of, you know, fantasies. Nobody has suggested that Donald Trump is mentally ill yet, except a group of psychiatrists. But when you are white in this country and you are wealthy, it is impossible for you to have mental health problems. You couldn't possibly have them. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's true. I just wanted to point out that... um, you know, take a special kind of person, you know, I mean, you can, you can pay those people more and I'm sure they don't make enough, just like school teachers and any number of noble professions don't make enough. But even if you raise the salary and say, Hey, we'll really pay you well for this. It still doesn't necessarily mean you'll have the right kind of people to really help those who were psychologically damaged in that manner to actually, you know, be healthier in any way. It's just a very challenging thing is, you know, we need more people to do it, but it's not something that you can force somebody to do. It's not something that a person can do unless they really have that calling to help the most damaged among us. I take your point and you, you're quite correct there. Uh, it is a field that has blossomed, I could say, in terms of the way we think of time, fairly recently. Right. Uh, as, a, as a popular approach, popular just meaning related to the people, not, you know, the way we use the word popular. But we do not have even the consciousness in leadership of the value of having such services and therefore the rightful way to use such services to employ them so that people benefit from them. We have people who just don't care. They don't see the need for it. Right. And I mean, frankly, if you address a lot of just the economic woes that people experience, we could alleviate a lot of mental health breakdowns on the front end because a lot of people are being put into a state of total distress by the society itself that if we address some of these issues of housing and a fair wage and so on and so forth, people wouldn't be on the edge. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. I think there was early on an assessment that correlated uh, psychological and mental health issues with race and poverty. So it didn't get much attention. If you had the majority population in this category being white, all people be on their toes people be called to account. The quality of services would have to be much better. But blacks, Latinos, poor people are throwaways. And they even think that way of the service providers as well. 
they, there's no real respect for a social worker. There's no real respect for a psychiatric worker because of the populations they tend to be assigned to. They're throwaway populations. We don't care about those people. Right. And so things deteriorate. Well, we, I have to go. Jeremiah, I'm so sorry that we didn't have a longer conversation today, but we will. We will. Absolutely. Have Thank a good you. weekend, you treat. You too. Thank you all. And that was my wish for everyone. You know, hook up again with your family and friends. Take it easy.